Luke chapter 7 today. And if you don't have your Bibles, I'll have my scriptures on the screen. Our title of our message is Hope Has Arrived. I appreciate the boys, the boys, the, the young men uh, singing this song. I remember when they were all boys playing around in the church, and now they're playing instruments up here. It's pretty cool. Uh, oh, thank you. Living hope. Our hope is here. Can you say amen? amen. We, we live in a culture right now that I think has greatly lost a lot of its hope. Uh, there's a lot of hopelessness out there. And I think that stems from a combination of a lot of things. Uh, needless to say, the last two or three years have been pretty challenging for our nation. Would you agree? And a lot of things have taken place and a lot of things have changed and, and there's a lot of stress as far as the economy is concerned and, and the political landscape is always a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, not to mention that we had uh, COVID and all the effects that that has had. And, and, and I, I, I see that hopelessness in all ages, and I see it in the church and outside the church. And I think that we need to be reminded that our hope is found not in a political party, can you say amen to that? Our hope, our hope is not found in our government. Our hope is not found in our economy. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And this morning, I, I, I want to take you to a, a story where Jesus once again interjected himself into the lives of a little family, a single mom, if you will, who was going through a very hopeless situation herself. And it was on this day in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11, it was on this day that this woman found hope. And it's on this day that I at least want to remind you, or at least let you know, that hope can be found today in Jesus. Whatever your circumstances might be, there is always hope in Jesus. He has not failed us yet. Can you say amen? And he never will. And so if you're able to, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this together. And we are in Luke chapter 7. Again, we're going to start in verse 11, and we're going to go to verse 17. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. And if you have a different one, just follow right along. And if you don't have your Bible, follow right along on the screen, okay? Here we go. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. And then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, 
I tell you, get up. And then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. I want to remind you again that hope has arrived. He's at your city gate, and he's here to meet you this morning. Can we pray? Jesus, these next few moments, Lord, are really the most important part of our time together where we look at your word. And God, we're not here just to listen to it be read or listen to it to be expounded upon, but Lord God, we are here for your word to penetrate our hearts and our spirits and cause us to draw near to you. So Lord, I pray that that would happen. So may your holy word speak to us in a new way today, and God will thank you for what you do. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. 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 Well, you may be seated. Again, um, we, 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 live, we live in a time where I think a lot of people are looking for hope. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people try to find that fulfilled the wrong way. Uh, there are so many, there are so many cheap imitations for what Jesus offers to each and every one of us. So many. And, and, and I will tell you that, you know, when I say something like that, then, then people immediately go, well, he must be talking about drugs and he must be talking about alcohol and all this other stuff. And, and certainly that, that could be part of it. But understand also that besides the, the vices that are out there that could really damage somebody's body, mind, and soul, there's also some things that on the surface can come off relatively good and innocent that some people will try to use as a substitute for their hope filler when hope can only be found in Jesus Christ. And some people will try to find that hope, maybe not in some kind of an addiction or bad behavior, but maybe they'll try to find that hope in, in work or they'll try to find that hope in how much money that they can Uh, accumulate. Or maybe they will try to find that hope in a hobby or a pastime that they have. And I'm not telling you that it's a sin to have money or a hobby or a pastime. What I'm telling you, though, is if you use these things to try to give you the hope that you really need, that only Jesus can provide, you will never be fulfilled. Never. It might give you some temporary happiness and some temporary satisfaction, but nothing will give you hope like Jesus Christ. And, and I, I look at this short story of this widow who lost her son. Now understand that in biblical days, if a, uh, a widow or if a woman became a widow, then the oldest son typically would have a huge part in taking care of his mother and the rest of the family. I know this from coming, in a, uh, coming out of a single-parent family for much of my life. I was the oldest one, smartest one, and... Thank you. 
and, but there was a great deal of responsibility that I had too. And so, so my mom, so when I read this story, I can kind of relate a little bit to how much mom was depending, obviously, on her son. And then her son died. We don't know the circumstances behind his death. We don't know what led to that. All we know, all we know is that this widow was now in a hopeless situation, in a funeral procession on the way for her boy to be buried. And guess who showed up? Guess who arrived at the city gate? See, friend, you might be in a situation where you feel like you're walking out the city gate. And you're not even sure what the next step's going to be. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus has showed up at your city gate. And he is really good at messing up funerals. He did here. He did something pretty dramatic. And I believe that for each and every one of us, we have a hope that Jesus will do what he did here. So you're going to raise the dead? I'm not telling you that. But if you are dead in here and you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm just testing you to see. Someone's like, well, yeah, that's me. But there's some things that Jesus did here that I really want to unpack. And maybe you could find yourself in need of that today. Let me show you what I mean. I believe that, number one, we have hope for what I would call a reviving to take place. Hope for a reviving. Verse 15 says this, and we're going to look at verse 15 a few times, okay? The dead boy sat up and began to talk. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's a pretty good Sunday service when that happens, okay? You've had church. You, you, you have had quite an experience there where this boy who was dead, and by the way, I want you to note that Jesus didn't touch the boy. He touched the casket. This wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, he was getting carried away in the casket. And Jesus touched that and brought life to the boy. I don't know what you're getting carried away with in your life. But if you allow Jesus to touch that thing, he will bring life to you like you've never had before. Can you say amen? amen. That was totally free. Okay, bonus. Now, this boy was dead. Jesus brought life where there was death. Maybe you find yourself today and you're in serious need of renewed life in some part of your everyday life. Maybe your spiritual life needs revitalization. You know, it's funny, in the 90s, early 2000s, the, the big buzzword in a lot of the churches was revival. R-E-V-A-H-V-A-L, revival. And, and we started associating that word with a certain kind of song 
or a certain number of songs, uh, length of services. Uh, and you know what revival is? Revival is bringing life to something that needs life, that is dead. I had one preacher tell me this. I loved it. He said, you know what revival is, Phil? He said, revival is taking the church from where it is now to where it needs to be. And revival is the way to get there. That's the ride. Some people don't want to get off the ride. That was also free. There's life today. Where you think there is death, there is life. And maybe your spiritual life is just flat. Maybe your spiritual life just has no vitality whatsoever. God wants to bring life to that thing. Maybe your marriage is in need of life today. Maybe your daily life, your daily schedule, your daily grind, whether you're a student in here or whether you are in your retirement years, maybe you need Jesus to bring life to your everyday life and your everyday goings on. There is hope that he can do that. Maybe you need life to your physical body. Maybe you deal with pain. Maybe you deal with illness. Maybe you deal with sickness. And you need Jesus to give you life. You can have hope today that Jesus can give life where there doesn't seem to be any. Jesus can touch your house. Jesus can touch the church house. I believe Jesus is here to bring life to anything that seems dead to you. What area of your life used to have vitality and life, but it's not there anymore? Hope's arrived. His name is Jesus. And he wants to touch you and touch your life and touch that situation and bring life where there is none. Acts chapter 17, verse 25, puts it like this. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs, referring to Jesus. He himself gives life and breath to everything, Jesus, and he satisfies every need. Read that again. Jesus gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. Your source of life, your source of hope. If you need something revived, hope is here. He's at your city gate, and his name is Jesus. Secondly, today, we not only have a hope for reviving, but we have a hope for what I would call restoring. Restoring. Our God is a restoring God. Can you say amen? I'm glad that Jesus didn't just stop with touching the casket. A little bit more went on in this story. Look again at verse 15. Verse 15 says, The dead boy sat up and he began to talk. <laughs> How do you know that this young man was alive? He started talking. Those of you with kids and grandkids know exactly what I'm talking about. He started talking. But there was something damaged here. There was something damaged. This woman had lost something significant in her life. This woman was missing something significant in her life. I'll get to their actual relationship at the next point. 
But can I ask you today, is there something in your life that was very significant that seems to be missing right now? You know, I'm reminded of Jesus' words in John chapter 10, verse 10, that says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the Lord has come to give us life in that more abundantly. But one of the what the M.O. of our enemy, what the enemy loves to do is to rob us, is to take from us those things that are significant, that are meaningful to us. And what happens, a hole, a void is left in our lives. And this is where the enemy will try to take advantage of us. Hear me today. This is where the enemy will try to take advantage of Christians because they will try to fill the void now with something else besides Jesus. This is why, this is why you might have people who've been with Jesus for a long time and they make some terrible decisions about their life. They make some terrible decisions that will shipwreck their family, it'll shipwreck their career, it'll shipwreck their home, it'll shipwreck themselves because they are trying to fill the void that has existed in their life with something else besides the hope that Jesus, that Jesus gives us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered for a little while, some of us like to scratch that part out of the verse. After you've suffered a little while, he will restore. Look at these verbs. He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. If there was a verse that I think is meant for our country, it's this one. So many have suffered for a little while. And, and now they're, they're just they're acting out. I mean, how many of you know, when, sometimes it's like the world has lost their minds, right? I was talking to one of you, you said you, you don't even like watching the news anymore. I can understand that. Because it's a whole lot, of, it seems just like a whole lot of crazy. And it's not really crazy what it is. Again, it's just trying to find your hope in the wrong way. And when there's something missing, you know, I've, I've had ministry friends who were in the midst of pastoring their churches, but there was a void there in their lives. Maybe they did not feel accepted like they should. Maybe they were angry. Maybe they didn't see the growth in their ministry like they should see. Maybe, maybe they just felt insecure, whatever the case might be. And they tried to fill that void with something that was just so bad. It wrecked their lives. It wrecked their marriages. It wrecked their church. It wrecked their ministries. I will tell you that you have to be careful where you try to find your answer for restoration. You've got to be careful what you choose. And that hope is found in Christ. See, Jesus is here to restore those things that have been damaged or taken away from you. Uh, 
I've had moments where I was like, okay, Lord, why in the world did this happen? And I would love to tell you that he always gave me the answer right away. He didn't. In some, in some cases, it was, it was a little while before he revealed, this is my plan. Now you've got a new start. Now I want to bring out about my purpose in you and through you and for you. Now's the time. And if you're at that point right now, here's my word to you. Stay faithful to God. Don't get mad at him. Don't walk away from him. He's arrived. He's at your city gate. And he wants to touch the very thing that you feel that you have lost in your life. Third, we have hope for reviving, for restoring. Third, we have hope for a returning. A returning. I'm in verse 15 again. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus, look at the second part, Jesus gave him back to his mother. I want to talk about your relationships. Because if there is one area of our lives that we can experience loss, and it can be crushing to us, it's in our relationships, our close friendships. And sometimes, sometimes, we forget that God is in the business of restoring relationships that have been broken over the years. Don't you give up on your marriage? Don't you give up on that friendship? Don't you give up on that relationship with your son and your daughter or with your parents or with your siblings? Don't give up. Look, I've, I've got a relative who should be very close to me who lives half the country away, doesn't want anything to do with me. I refuse to give up on him. I refuse to give up on that. I love my other brother. I love the other brother. That sounds like a country western song. But I love my brother, Tim. And I pray that someday God can restore that relationship. So I refuse to give up on that. I'm just not gonna. I, I, I'm not going to. I want to talk to people today where just as Jesus gave the boy back to his mom, you need Jesus to give somebody who is important to you back to you. You can have hope that that relationship can be restored again as he returns them back to you. It may take some time. You might be praying for somebody to give their lives to Jesus Christ. (laughs) May I tell you that I would love it. I would love it if every person I prayed for to get saved would get saved the next day. It doesn't work that way, does it? Some people I pray for, I'm thinking, oh, okay, God, save them or kill them. You know, you know, you know what it is, right? You know what I'm saying. Not in that, well, maybe in that order. But, uh, but sometimes we, we, we get frustrated because we don't see action when we're praying for that relationship. And I just want to encourage you, whether it be with your marriage whether it be with your family, maybe a Christian relationship. Uh, If there's a significant relationship in your life that's been broken, Jesus can return that. 
he could bring healing to that situation. Romans 15, 5. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for followers for Christ Jesus. I said this before, church, we need each other. And if there's any way that the enemy will try to destroy a church, it's not from without, it's from within. And we just have, we have to keep our relationships with each other solid. Now, I'm going to flip the coin a little bit. Sometimes God will remove some people from your life for your good. If someone's toxic in your life, don't go chasing that. Don't go, don't go chasing after that. Single ladies, if, if some guy is treating you terribly, and, 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 and now you're, quote, broken up, don't go after that. You deserve better than that. Well, you know, I think he's the only one. No. It's not God's plan for you. Tell that boy to grow up or get out. But you don't need that. And it's not just the boyfriend-girlfriend thing. Sometimes there, <laughs> I've got ministry friendships that I keep at arm's length. Because I've noticed that even in the ministry... There are people who will pretend to be my friend because they can get something out of me. I've seen that. Oh man, my filter is kicking in so good right now. So you got to be careful of the toxic people in your life. Don't chase toxic people. If God's ta- and what's the definition of a toxic person? Someone that is harming you emotionally, physically, obviously, and spiritually. You don't need that in your life. Not real close. Maybe Facebook, because we all know that's important. But be careful who you bring close into your life. God's removed people from my life that I thought, man, I really need them in my life, and it turned out I didn't. Because it wasn't really good for me. May God give us the discernment to recognize that. Amen? If there's a broken relationship in your life, that I believe Jesus wants to do a miracle there. But if you're praying for somebody else, you've got to be patient. Because just as God worked through you and in you, he's got to work in that person. And sometimes people are stubborn. Sometimes people are resistant. If they're resisting the Holy Spirit, they're probably going to resist you too. So you're in good company. So understand that what you're praying for is, to, is for God to work in them so that that restoration and that relationship can happen. And sometimes that takes a while. Sometimes for God to get through to somebody, he's got to knock them on their back. Am I telling the truth here? But you be there. Because when that time comes, God will prepare them. So don't, don't, well, where have you been for the last umpteen years? No, don't, don't pull that, Christian. Don't do that. 
Love them like Jesus. Love them like Jesus. But don't chase after toxic people. By the way, just on this subject, because some of you are like, I can't believe he's saying that. Did Jesus chase after Judas? Did he? No. No. So if Jesus didn't go after toxic people that were removed from his life, I don't think we should either. Amen? Man, I don't know who that's for, but man, I hope that spoke to you. Finally today, finally, we have a hope for what I would call a revealing. I'm finally off verse 15. (laughs) Let me show you verses 16 and 17, because I love how this worked. Great fear swept the crowd as they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. Look at this. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Wait a minute. Are you saying that God might have actually allowed this heartbreak to take place in this widow's life so that Jesus could one day meet them at the city gate, perform a miracle, and then the news about Jesus spread throughout the entire countryside. Are you saying that God could actually do that? Yes, I am. Could it be that God is actually allowing this moment in your life that is uncomfortable for you in order for His glory to be declared way past you? to other people. Psalm 40, verse 3, it says this, He's given me a new song to sing and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what He has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. See, believe it or not, temporary suffering can bring about everlasting results. On the day of the funeral, Mom didn't wake up and think, wow, today's the day that we're going to make Jesus famous. All she knew was that she was dealing with hopelessness. She didn't even know Jesus was going to show up. And as she's making her way to the city gate, who does she find there? And then everything changed. Not just for her but for the lives of other people all over the countryside. Could it be? Could it be that the difficult situation that you're in right now, God fully intends to use it to make his glory known to the people around you? Could it be that the friends that are with you at work, they know the difficult situation that you're in, but then Jesus brings hope back to that situation, and then these people who don't go to church, and don't serve Jesus, and don't want anything to do with religion, they see that something has changed in you, and they cannot help but notice that something is different. What an opportunity for them to see that Jesus met you at your city gate, and he gave you hope today. The Lord's here. uh, John, if you could help me. Jesus is here. And in the midst of your hopelessness, he's arrived. And maybe 
maybe you didn't expect him to meet you where you're at today. Maybe you just thought that today there would just be a church service, sing a few songs, guess which letter he's going to use, and then we go home. But could it be that unbeknownst to you, that hope has arrived? Hope has arrived at your city gate. And that he is here to bring life where there is death. He's here to restore those things that have been damaged or stolen from you. He's here to return relationships and bring harmony back to where there is brokenness. Could it be that God wants to use you to speak to dozens, maybe even hundreds, they will see what God has done and put their faith in God because you met him at the city gate. Hope has arrived. His name is Jesus. He wants to touch you, your situation, your casket, right where you're at today. Will you stand with me? Pastor, I, I, you describe me. I, I, I need hope in my life. And then today's your day to reach out to the Lord. So now, what do we do? What do we do with this? I, I want to. I want you to give your. If I could use this term from the story, just give your caskets to him. That, that thing that's been taken from you, that thing that's missing from you, that thing that is lacking life in, in you, whatever that is, that relationship that needs touched, I want to give you a chance to pray that to the Lord and say, God, I need hope in this situation. And talk to him. Talk to him about it. Let him meet you right where you're at, right at your city gate. And let him touch your situation. And you just, maybe you just need to sit in his presence and be strengthened today by the hope that he wants to give you. At the very least, let him remind you, hey, I'm in control. I've got this. You might think that you're marching out the city and things are going to be bad, but I've got to tell you something. I want to meet you at the gate. So just be patient. Just trust me. Let him speak to you. So I want to give you a chance to pray. Maybe you want to come to this front area and pray. Maybe you want to pray at your seat. Maybe you want to kneel at whatever. We're just going to make this a place of prayer. And would you ask God for the hope that you might need in your life today? And when you're finished with God today, you can be dismissed to fellowship in the lobby. But right now, hope's here. He's arrived, and he wants to meet with you. So Jesus, we commit to you those things that are lacking life, those things that are lacking vitality, Lord, just those things that are dead in our lives. And we just pray for a reviving. We pray for new life. God, those things that have been taken from us or damaged in our life, Lord, we, we just pray for restoration. Make it just like new, God. God, relationships that are broken down, I, we, God... Time is too short for us to have that happen, Lord. We, we, we pray that you would mend 
relationships that have no business being broken. And God, please help us to recognize when you have removed people from our lives that are damaging to us. And Lord God, I pray that you would do this not for our sake, but for yours, so that your glory can be made known amongst our family and our friends and our circle. Lord, that you would get the glory for what's accomplished. So Lord, we commit these next few moments alone with you. Have your way now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to pray, feel free to do so right now. And when you're finished, you can be dismissed. God bless you.